You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. So I want to I preach today. That's it. I just want to preach today. So. Um, and I need God to help me. So uh, earlier in the week, um, I don't really know when, uh, maybe Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, I woke up one morning this week and, uh, and, and felt God uh, just ask me a simple question. And it's something that, that I'm still chewing on right now um, that I hope I can expound on uh, throughout this sermon and, and, and going forward as well. But it's, it's something that he impressed upon me. And he asked a simple question of, do you believe my word? Do you believe my word? And my first thought, being a pastor, being saved since I was three or four, absolutely, God, check that off. Next question. Appreciate it, God. What else do you have for me? And as that question just stirred in my spirit, I started looking at things in my life, started looking at just different aspects of my life of thinking, okay, there are things that are happening in my life that aren't lining up with what the Word truly says. It's not like I'm in just some terrible sin. When I started looking at different avenues of my life, I thought, wow, the Word of God shows this and shows the extent of the ability to enjoy and flourish in life. And there are certain aspects of my life where I'm not flourishing in what the Word has said. I've just been chewing on this question for the last week. Do you believe my word? I thought I did. In some areas, yes, I I do. In some areas, I sometimes believe my situation over what the word of God says because the situation is so in my face. It's so strong. It's, It's so encompassing that... And so I want to help you as I help me as we unpack this question that hopefully it's something that you can chew on yourself by the end of this is do you believe his word? The passage that I was brought to was in 2 Timothy. It's Paul writing to his son in the faith, his last letter before he passes. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Going to verse 10, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, verse 10, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory." And if we go back to verse 9, there was a phrase that stuck out to me that helped me as I started pondering and walking through this question that God posed to me. In verse 9 it says, but the word of God is not chained. You see, Paul says, I've been preaching the word all this time and it's, it's brought me into jail. It eventually brought him to death that he was chained up in jail. But he says the word of God is not chained. 
And as I started pondering that statement, I felt like the Lord started showing me some things and revealing some things to me that the Word of God is not tied down to the physicality of this world. You see, it's not chained to the same situation that you are. And when we get caught up in whatever situations are happening, we feel like we can't go forward. We feel like we can't succeed. We feel like we can't accomplish what we're supposed to do. But the Word of God is not chained to that same situation that you're encountering. It's above that. It's stronger than that. It's more powerful than that. You see, the Word of God is free and able to move between the physical world and the spiritual world. And what it says in this book is not just tied to what the physicality of this book shows. That when we speak the Word of God, that it can, like it says in Hebrews, a two-edged sword pierce and slice through. Even if the physical book of the Bible was destroyed, the Word can still function in its same power on earth. I'm reminded of a book that we had to read in English when we were in high school, and maybe you read it before. It was called Fahrenheit 451, written by Guy Bradbury. And the premise of the book was the main character was a fireman, and it was his responsibility in the future to burn books. They were to, they were to burn books and not put out fires. It's a book on censorship, and it talks about the, back then, the, the evils of TV and how they had outlawed books. And the main character, who is a fireman, goes to this woman's house, and they burn the house down because they found hidden books. And he steals a book, and he hides it under his pillow at his house, and the book that he steals is the Bible. We see in modern day... That there are people who are being persecuted for the gospel. There are people right now in this moment that are hiding in caves and houses. To be a Christian is illegal in other countries. They don't have access to the Bible. They don't have access to the Word of God. If they do have access, it might be a page or two. But just because they don't have access to the Word of God... And they might remember a scripture or two doesn't make the word of God of no effect to them. Well, I don't have a Bible, so I, I guess I'm just out of luck until I get to heaven. No, the same scriptures that they can remember, whether they have a physical copy or not, can still do the same power of us just reading the book. Because there's something different and there's something important and there's something special about the Word of God and it not being chained to anything, being available to each and every one of us. You see, in John chapter 1, 1, we've heard this scripture before, we've read this scripture before, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That the Word has always existed. It's been at the beginning of time. It'll be at the end of time. The Word is Jesus. 
beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God, which means the importance of the Word. The very beginning of time, the Word was with God. And the Word is God. That we understand the importance of the Word of God. We see through the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So all of a sudden, there puts a more important stance on the word than on my situation or what I'm going through. All of a sudden it says, no matter what's happening, the word is more important. Because God says, whatever I say, it's not going to return void. So it's not coming back to me in a negative light. It's not coming back to me not working. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So all of a sudden we see the word of God being higher, having more importance, there being more power in it than just a book on our shelf. That there's potential for something to happen when we use the Word of God. If God had it with him at the beginning of time, if the Word is God, if he makes the statement that whatever I say, it's not coming back to me void, whatever I say, it will be accomplished. Well, then that makes me want to dive in a little bit more. That gives me hope that there's, there's something in that book that can change my situation. You see, it pleases the Father when we speak and use and trust His Word. He knows the power and the importance of His Word. He knows it. And in the Scriptures, He's not trying to hide the importance of His Word. He's trying to get it. We're going to see several Scriptures that we're going to read from today that are going to transcend and go all across the Bible. And we're going to see constantly the different writers of the Bible talk about the importance of the Word. It's not like we're just staying in Matthew. We're not just staying in Psalms. We see that over time, that as the people, the authors of the Bible, wrote their different book, we're going to see multiple scriptures from multiple writers that talk about the importance of the Word of God. That God continually sits upon these people when they're writing and says, hey, don't forget about my word. Hey, tell the people in this time frame, in this generation about my word. Jesus, when he's on the, word, on the earth, don't forget about my word. When Paul's talking about it in his writings, don't forget about my word. There's an importance there. There's a key there. Over and over and over again, we see the authors highlighting the importance of God's Word and the importance of reading it and the importance of studying it. Like God's trying to get a message across to us. Like He's trying to 
tell us something that we aren't listening or understanding. We take it for granted. We, you go to my house right now, I could probably beat you in the amount of Bibles that, that we have in our house. We're still unpacking our house. Been there for a while now. We'll get there. I bet you there's boxes that have Bibles in there that we haven't even discovered yet. But that we take the Word of God for granted and we read it as a historical story. Although it is, there is history in there. And the question that just sits upon me is do I believe the Word? There's something that God's trying to say to us. There's something that God's trying to encourage us to get back in the book because there's a power there. There's a life-changing ability that's in there that we can only encounter when we dive in to the Word that He gave us. In 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, I've talked about this scripture before. Are these scriptures? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Eventually, the word of God was written down. We have all these authors over all these times giving oral history. They eventually write it down. As people come together, we see God speaking to the people to bring all these books together. Some books are omitted, some are added, some are put there, and we come up with the Bible. All of these authors tell this beautiful, central story as we read through. As they highlight and talk about a Savior that's coming. As they highlight and talk about a Savior who came as they highlight and talk about what the Savior did and what He's going to do. And the power of that Savior that can help us and take over our lives. And now we have it in our hands, in our grasp. And there's things that are in there that if I'm being honest are are hard to read sometimes. You go deep in the, the Old Testament, you, you jump in Habakkuk, Zephaniah. I read it, God. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. We'll, we'll visit it tomorrow, I guess. We read through some of the things that Jesus says. We read through the things that Paul writes. We read about the law. We read about in Revelations, the craziness of that book. We read through these things. Man, these are some head scratchers sometimes. These are, what are you trying to say here? What are you trying to do? What is, what's going on in here? But in 2 Timothy, it says, all scripture is inspiration by God. And the things, in verse 16, it shows that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for us to learn from for us to build our theology on, for us to build the cornerstone of our foundation. We can read these scriptures, all of them, and establish who we are as Christians and what we believe as Christians. All scripture 
It's for reproof. All Scripture is for correction. All Scripture is for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is for correction. Sometimes the church has gone through its periods where we want to preach and encourage and remind you to not sin. And we hammer on the do nots. We bring those Ten Commandments in there and we just lay them on top of you. Well, don't cheat, don't steal, and don't lie. Well, now all I'm thinking about is cheating, stealing, and lying. This is awkward, but he told me not to. And then we go home and we're just focused on don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie. Don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie. Don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie. And sometimes we get so caught up and focused on that, looking down at ourselves, that we miss the opportunity to share the truth with others. You see, if I told you, I don't want you to think about your favorite steak, how it's perfectly cooked, how it's perfectly seasoned, how there's a perfect baked potato steaming on the side, nice cold glass of sweet tea, the perfect piece of pie right next to it with a beautiful salad. What are you thinking about? Dear Lord, I want that steak. Please end the service right now. You've got to go. You see what happens when we highlight and teach and preach over and over when it comes to don't sin, don't sin. We just think about the steak. But look, it says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God for correction, which is beautiful about the Holy Spirit, is that any Scripture that I bring to you can bring correction to your heart, can bring truth to your heart. That right now I could be preaching on this Scripture and correction can be brought to you of, oh, I need to fix this in my life. Oh, I need to do this in my life. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he says that the Holy Spirit is going to do is convict the world of sin. I believe that the Word of God can bring correction and truth into your life as long as I present those scriptures to you to help bring correction to your life. And if you jump in that book and you start studying it, Imagine the correction that can happen. And it doesn't just have to be don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, but the course correction of don't do this, go this way. Hey, don't go that way. What you need to do is go here. And I love the last part that all Scripture is inspired. Instructions in righteousness. My son loves Legos. And I build them all the time for them. But what he loves more is taking them apart. And we don't have the instructions anymore. They're gone. What I love today is you can go to lego.com and download the instructions. Game changer. Absolute game changer. Wasn't there for me when I was a kid. But when you find those instructions, it helps you put all of those pieces, all the jumbled mess of the Legos. My son has way more than he should have. A billion pieces. And they're all gelled together, and all the blues look apart. But when I have the instructions, I can just put the pieces together. That all Scripture is to bring instruction for righteousness to you. 
the power of the Word of God to bring doctrine so that we can be solid on our foundation, to bring reproof, to bring correction to us, to help us in where we're going, to give us instructions on righteousness so that we can accomplish every good work that has been placed before us. In Psalms 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. That the Word of God is perfect. Nothing needs to be added to it. Hopefully at some time in your life you've gone to a steakhouse and they've cooked the best steak ever. And what's beautiful about a good piece of meat, if you put just a little bit of salt, maybe a little bit of pepper, is that you don't need sauce, you don't need anything. It's perfect just the way it is. Just to completely consume that piece of meat. Just the way it is. The law is perfect. The way it was, the way it's written, and it's before you, it's so perfect that it can convert your soul. I've never read a book that good. Never had anything in my life that good, but that the law of the Lord is so perfect that it converts my soul. Me being a Cajun, not the smartest of people in the world, I love the second part. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I'm real simple. Real simple. There are times, getting up here, writing sermons, interacting with people, counseling people, where I take a step back and go, whoa, that wasn't me. I don't, I should write that down. I should re-listen to that sermon. I don't know how I wrote this or what I did here. Because I make it a priority to fill myself up with the Word, I know that I'm simple. I know that I have my errors. I, ha- I know I have my ways. But the Word of God is so powerful, wisdom can come out of me. By making myself available. Making wise the simple. The beauty of the Word of God is it can overcome any language barrier. It can overcome any generation. It can co- overcome any history. Anybody who comes against it, any persecution that comes against it, the Word of God still is perfect and still stands strong and still holds its on. God has not come back with a whiteout marker and say, you know what, it's the year 2019. Yeah, we should probably delete some things in the Bible. It's a little iffy in this time frame. He didn't go back when Nero was killing all the Christians. Well, we don't want to offend the Romans too much. They're really killing the Christians. The Word of God is pure. The Word of God is perfect. The Word of God is not changing. It can go all around the world. And the power of it, it doesn't matter what language you read it in, it doesn't matter how it's, the power of the Word of God can show up at any time if you believe in the power of it. In Numbers, there was a story, 
you've probably heard this in kids' church before, where Balaam is called on by a king named Balak because the Israelites have come into their country and they've seen them attack other people and destroy them. And all of a sudden, these other kings are seeing this large amount of people, million, two million, however many people were coming. They said, they're going to take over. They're, they're going to destroy us. So he says, I know that this man Balaam talks to God and whatever he blesses, they get blessed. Whatever he curses, they curse. So I'm going to call him to come and curse these people. So Balaam talks to God. He ends up going. He builds these altars. And there's four different times where he tries to curse the children of Israel. And every time he goes and talks to God, God says, no, no, no. They're blessed people. You're not going to curse them. They're my people. Go tell him. Go back to Balak and be like, all right, got some good news. Uh, the altars worked. Um, God spoke to me. Uh, good conversation. Um, here's the bad news. Um, I can't curse them. He said, what? I'm paying you to curse them. Go curse them. He said, well, let me tell you what God says. And every time he opens his mouth, blessings come out. He says, no, 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 that's, that's not what I signed up for. Shut, shut your mouth. Shut Hey, shut your mouth. Stop blessing them. We're going to do this again. We're going to get seven altars, seven bulls, seven rams. We're going to burn the altar. Go talk to God. Curse them. All right, here we go. Hey, God, here we are again. The altars, everything's good. Okay, what do you want me to say? Oh, another blessing. All right. Four times that happened. The third time it happened, Balaam makes this proclamation. In Numbers 23, verses 19 and 20, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? That's how powerful the word of God is. If he said it, then he's going to do it. So therefore, whatever the word of God says, I'm going to get it in my mouth, and I'm going to say it, because if he says it's going to happen, then I need to see it manifest in my life. Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Here's Balaam. Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Now that was to the children of Israel. That was to his people. But this same principle right here applies to us right now. Because God's already blessed us. We are a part of the family of God. He paid such a high price for us that we are now able to be in His family, to call Him Abba Father. And we have this prayer, and I've been guilty of it too. Oh, God bless me. God, just bless me. I just need you to bless me. Come on, God, bless me. It's like we're throwing dice. Come on, seven. Come on, 11. We got we to gotta get a blessing, God. Balaam is standing there all the way back in the Old Testament and he says, they're already blessed and if God's blessed them, I can't reverse it. The Word of God says you're blessed today. Quit begging for a blessing and start walking in the blessing and find out what the blessing is that He already has for you. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is something that can change your life. The Word of God is true. Everything else is a lie. The Word of God is not chained 
to your situation. It's not chained to the natural physical laws. The Word of God can go out and change your atmosphere, can change your situation, can change history. Let me show you an example in the Scriptures of what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 3. The whole story is in 1 through 10. We're going to stay in 6 and 7. Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1, Jesus goes up uh, into heaven, tells them to go to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit falls. Peter preaches a message. 3,000 people get saved that day. Acts chapter 3 happens. Peter and John, they went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. Walking and leaping and praising God. No, okay. um, We'll sing it later. They meet this lame man at the temple gate, and he's asking for money. He's asking for alms. He's asking for something. He needs, he needs a sandwich today. He hasn't eaten today. He's, he's homeless. He's just laying by there. He doesn't have bills to pay. He's just hungry. And in verse 6, we see Peter say, Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now in the natural, Peter and John, they have no business doing what they just did. They're not doctors. They don't know the structure of somebody's legs. In today's climate, that's a lawsuit. You pulling somebody up that's disabled... And you better hope that God heals them. Pull them out of that wheelchair and they just fall on the ground. Yikes. In the natural, they have no ability or power or anything to help this man. They don't even have money. They don't have the resources. They don't have anything. So how do they have the audacity to grab this man by the hand and say, in the name of Jesus get up and walk, because the Word of God is not chained. Because they understood that in Matthew 16, verses 15 through 18, we've talked about this before, the Great Commission, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And in my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Because the word of God is not chained, because they understood the power of the word of God, that they knew that in this limitation of my physicality, I can't do anything to help this man. But the Word of God is so powerful that I can grab him by the hand because Jesus told me to, and I can command him to walk. That's the power of the Word of God. And now I ask you that question again. Do you believe his Word? Because there's a lot of times in my life in the situations that I'm going through, the Word of God says, take them by the hand, lay hands on the sick and heal them. And I come up to a situation and I think, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. When my first reaction should be, the Word of God says, take him by the hand and heal him. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. 
And the word of God is so powerful that it changes the atmosphere. That the natural and the spiritual meld together and a miracle happens right there. The power of the word of God. It's not chained. It's not held down by our limitations. It's not chained and held down by our situation. It's not chained or held down by anything on this earth. By speaking and declaring and using the word of God in our lives, we are the ones who change the atmosphere. We are the ones who dictate what's supposed to happen around us. We are the ones who encounter God in a different way. The word of God in this moment is just as important, if not more important, than money itself. The thought that money drives this world. Everything we do, we have to have money. And it ties us and it holds us and it constricts us. I can't go here because I don't have enough money. I can't buy this because I don't have enough money. I can't get a better house. I can't pay my bills. Money constricts us and holds us down. But this right here shows us that the power and the word of God can go over the limitation of money. We as a church are going to help people. We've helped people. But it's not my responsibility to give money to the entire community. We'd run out of money, quite frankly. But there's an important lesson here. That yes, silver and gold can help people. But it doesn't fix anything. It's the word of God that can revolutionize and change somebody's life. But we as the church haven't really conveyed that, I think, to the people in the outside world. Oh, you're going to tell me a scripture? Scripture is supposed to help my situation? You're just going to tell me some words? My bills are due. My family isn't eating. My body is sick. This is happening. This is happening. And you're just going to tell me a Bible verse? And that's supposed to change my life? Oh, to be a powerful, powerful congregation and church where we can speak the word of God and see miracle signs and wonders happen. I've spoken the word of God and I've seen things change. Just got told a testimony. Larry had a kidney stone last week. Went to the doctor, they confirmed he had a kidney stone. Was hurting. Called some of his family and his family prayed for him. Pain went away. Just like that. Because the word of God works. I believe that God heals, but since I've been here and met that couple and heard the story after story after story after story of God healing them, you don't believe God heals, go talk to them. They'll tell you real quick that he does. And they won't just say, oh, there's a little scratch on my finger. It's some big, big boy sicknesses. Testimony right there of the power of the word of God when you believe it and you quote it. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. She said, when I had nothing else to say. I just quoted that over and over and over again. And how many times has that scripture healed your husband and healed your body? Glory to God. Power of the word of God. 
And I'll finish with this. It's a scripture that is quite frankly probably been taught incorrectly, has been come against, has questioned. John 15 verse 7. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. We've taken this verse and we've tried to put limits and restrictions over it. I know it says whatever you desire, but you better only desire what he has for you. You better, whoa, better not ask for nothing crazy. You're the apple of his eye. He lets you call him Abba Father. His desire is to see you flourish in every aspect of your life. Well, God, whatever you want, I'll have. God says, well, whatever you want, I'll give you. Oh, no, God, whatever you want, I'll, I'll have that. Okay, no, that's cool, but whatever you want, I'll give you. Because God is a God of abundance, but there's something else that we can learn from this scripture right here. There's a teaching that Jesus is showing us in the power of his word. He says, if you abide in me, if you abide in a relationship with me, and you abide in my words, whatever you ask, whatever you desire, I'll give to you. The power of the word of God is when you have a relationship with him, when you understand the word of God, he says it's limitless. It's open to whatever you want, whatever you believe. The physicality goes by the wayside. You want to be healed? Healing is there. You want to be free? Freedom is there. The word of God is not chained to the physicality of this life. He's the God of abundance and wants to bless you, but he also wants to stress the limitless potential you can tap into by using the word of God to change your surroundings. If you abide in me, if you have a relationship with me, and my word abides in you, if you know what's in that book, you start using those words, you start speaking those words, he says, whatever you desire, I'll give to you. Because my word won't return void. When you start speaking that word, when you start speaking that over your life, when you start washing yourself in the word, when you start transforming your mind, when you start renewing your mind with the word of God, all of a sudden you start talking different. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You'll see what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. You want to find out if you believe the word? Start listening to what you're saying. Unfortunately, we'll find out real quick, we don't truly believe the Word of God. We don't truly believe the power and the potential that is there. So as I finish today, do you believe His Word for your life? Something I'm chewing on right now, something that has corrected me today, that the Word of God is not chained it's not held back by anything. I'm the one that's being held back because I'm not in that book enough. I'm not quoting it enough. I'm not speaking the word to my situation. I'm just grumbling about my situation. Do you believe the power of his word and importance of applying it to your life? His word is not chained and available to help you break through any bondage that you experience 
in this world. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's life-giving, it's life-breathing, that it's active right now in our lives, that it can be active right now. And we choose today, this week, Father, I choose today to activate the word of God in my life. I choose today to look at all the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaking. Is my mouth speaking the word of God or is my mouth speaking negativity? Is my mouth speaking the word of God or is my mouth speaking doubt? Is my mouth speaking the truth of what God is or it isn't? And Father, I choose today to chew on this word. Do I believe the word of God? Do I believe the power of the limitless power and ability and availability for the Word of God to work in my life. And if I don't know a scripture that can help me overcome whatever situation I'm going through, then this week I'm going to go find that scripture and I'm going to stand on it today. I'm not going to let the natural world dictate to me how my life is going to go anymore from this point on. I'm going to dictate the world where I'm going by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God that is coming out of my mouth. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. So I'm going to raise my faith today. I'm going to raise my faith expectation. I'm going to get out and walk on the water today. Father, I ask you to help these people today. Encourage these people today. Let this word sink into their souls. Let it not return void. Let it accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I thank you that we have the mind of Christ. I thank you that our body is the temple. I thank you that your word says that by Jesus' stripes we are already healed. I fa Father, I thank you your word says that we are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. We are blessed where we are right now, and we're blessed in the future that you're bringing us into. Because we are your sons and daughters, the word says the favor of God surrounds us like a shield, and everything we put our hands to must prosper. And finally, Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. We are the city set on a hill. That when people see me, they see the light of the word of God that attracts them to me to say, what's different about you? I know about this situation. I know about this situation. But that all changed what happened. And I could say the word of God changed my life. Father, bless your people. Protect your people. Cause them to prosper in everything they do. Bring them back safely on Saturday and Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.